another year older, but still as unpunctual as ever. Impunctual, unpunctual. Welcome to Hand of Pod. It's our second birthday, everybody. We're actually recording two years to the day since um, since the first episode was was recorded, um, and we're, we've got a special reunion uh, in order to celebrate this. We're we're, we're here as ever with Joel Richards, um, and this episode's really really special because even longer than two years ago, three years ago or so, uh, myself and Joel, along with Sebastian Garcia, who long-term listeners will be aware of, uh, attempted a podcast when I was still living in England called The Enganche, which lasted for three episodes, was it? I think so. Um, so. I'm feeling we might have recorded the third and never actually managed to upload it, and that was was what sowed the the original seed of of my idea for for Hand of Pod. I'm going to say my idea. Uh, you'll have to excuse the, the elephants in the background, but we're used to kids running around and stuff anyway, so it's not that. Well, it's not the dogs or it's just co-workers. Isn't it? Yeah. So. Um, but we are we're here now. In two years later, who, who would have thought it? In Seba's very plush office here in <laughs> Belgrano. We're in Belgrano, aren't we? Not we are. We are in Belgrano. Yeah. Um, yeah. With a wonderful view of the Estadio Monumento, which Joel tweeted just before we started recording. <laughs> Seba, say hello. Hola, ¿cómo están? How are you? Been a long time. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. It's, I've been willing to to join these recordings, but you know, it's, it's been really, really busy lately, and you know, it's it's a good thing that I'm uh, back. Uh, on the it kind of answers the question a lot of our listeners had as well when you left about why you were leaving. There was this big mystery because you refused to tell any of us for ages as well. It's, it's up there with Riquelme leaving Boca, isn't it? Really, yeah. it's, it's been a bit of a saga. It's been covered in the local media. And in much the same way, he's now back. He's back. Well, he's been at this. He's at the disposal of Hand of Pod, right? I felt empty. <laughs> but I listened to Diego and you know. have, you, have you been podding with your friends just in the backyard? No, I'm, uh, I have to say Sebastian is really happy. I, I'm referring to myself in the third person, but uh, so yeah. And no, what do you think about Dan Edwards as a podcaster? I mean, do you think he's the best in the country, or which country? <laughs> oh, far be it from us to say. But I, I guess that's a, that's a good place to cover before we start going into any of the, any of the actual football. Is that Riquelme has recently, just what a day or two ago, uh, announced that he's at Boca's disposition again. Um, uh, seemingly at the same time as Julio Cesar Falcioni finally definitely now looks like he's, he's going in uh, December or January and suddenly Riquelme says oh no I'm, I'm available again do we think Riquelme is going to be playing again in, in 2013 for Boca or is, is there another twist in this increasingly long and drawn out tale well, I, I never felt confident to say he's never going to play for Boca anymore because it seems to me it's pretty evident that the problem with for him is the manager. I mean, that, uh, I think few of us can doubt uh, that that's the case. I mean, it, it, there might be some differences with the president as well, with Angelisi, but you know, 
I think it's the day-to-day, it's a very important figure, the manager, and it's my impression that as soon as he's out of the way, the the road will be clear again for, for Riquelme to join. And there's already rumors about Arroa Barrena being uh, one of the main candidates to... To be, to be named Boca manager and he Arena said no to a recent job offer from Argentinos Juniors so you know that that only sparked uh, more more rumors about um, his future as a Boca manager some say it's just a matter of time so mm-hmm. you know these latest uh, Riquelme comments also add fuel to to the fire because um, you know he's been kept keeping quiet. But he he did mention that there are some club, uh, clubs calling him and and that's something that really makes him happy and and he's waiting to see if one of these calls really um, gives him the illusion to to return as a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah, I think it was interesting to see, um, uh, this time it was Juan Babalowski, the journalist who said it, but I think quite a few people, I've seen quite a few people making this comment a long time, uh, some, some of the slightly older Argentine journalists who've obviously seen Riquelme throughout his career, um, and, and he said that he's as skillful with the microphone as he is with the football, and I think it's an excellent comment because he's, you know, Riquelme, first of all, he gives great interviews, and secondly, he knows full well what he's doing. Um, when he when he spoke, I think you know they, they kind of let slip on the journalists doing the interview. Let slip that he called them up mm. to speak. Mm. So oh, clearly something's going on here. Um, but I mean, I think the bottom line here is it's great news for for, for Boca, of course, and for Argentine football that Riquelme would return to to to, yeah. to the club if if as it looks like he will do. But um, yeah. but you're right. I mean, he's 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 very intelligent with what he says. He chooses his words very clear, very carefully. Um, and he says so much without saying it. Yeah. So um, it, it's a, as you said, Sam. Right. It's been the story certainly for the last couple of days, um, and it'd be interesting to see, see what happens. Aduabarena's in Europe at the moment, and he's he's going around. He's watching. Um, I'm not sure which. I haven't got the full list of the clubs, but he's going to see how a number of coaches and different clubs work, how they operate, um, picking up basically sort of a mm. mini. Postgraduate, yeah, yeah. So uh, lots of them, lots of the new managers do that. Yeah, I, I remember Facundo Sava did the same. Uh, hopefully, Arrabarena has not visited uh, Loftus Road to see how Mark Hughes works because that wouldn't be <laughs> helpful for him. I think that's so, six minutes on the tweet what? sack. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For my first mention of QPR, yeah, exactly. there goes the second mention of QPR. Oh, third. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be tempting to say that these comments from Riquelme were poorly timed from Julio Cesar Falcioni's point of view if it weren't for the fact that Julio Cesar Falcioni really doesn't seem to give a shit anymore either, does he? I mean, a, a nil-nil draw at the weekend away to Colón, um, which I didn't catch, but, but from what I heard was pretty ordinary. I mean, nobody really seemed to be that bothered either way on, on either side. Um, and we're actually in the middle of the second, uh, the second round, the second round this week, um, since since last recording, uh, the fifteenth round of the Donau Inicial. Right now, we're watching. Well, Sarah's watching, and we've got our backs to uh, Independiente versus Belgrano. Um, we've already had a few matches, so we'll, we'll get on and, and maybe review some of the games that have already taken place. Um, what did either of you? kind of thing really stood out from the weekend I guess the main story from the championship point of view at least is Newell's dropping points again and Venice beating Godoy Cruz to go top 
mean, Manchester this weekend was Lanús. Yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, um, five wins in a, five in a wins row. Five wins in a row, yeah. And as I said to you, Sam, I was, I'm pretty angry about this this whole situation because... Um, you said you were saving your anger up. I was saving my anger. So I have to say, it, yeah. a few days later, I have to say I'm not quite, I don't feel quite so strongly about it. But um, Lanús won one match in the first five weeks, first five match days of this season. And... You know, all the cynics were, oh, well, everyone was saying he was going to be next Boca manager and he's rubbish. Look at this. I mean, who, who is this guy? He's nobody. And, you know... Do you want to name him first before we go any further? Just... Barros Culotto, okay. the Lanos coach. Sorry, I thought, I thought you'd... Uh, mm-hmm. Just for the benefit of new listeners. I thought you'd teed him up, that's all. Um, so, obviously, in tandem with his twin brother, um, they're now on the back of five wins. They're, um, I think, three points there off the top. Um, so yeah. I mean it's been you know turned it around fantastically um, they're both I think obviously his brother Gustavo's got a lot of experience coaching in Paraguay and I think Guillermo's a pretty intelligent guy as well I mean they both are so um, you know I think he's taken to the coaching very well and this is the thing you know despite and actually Ricardo was talking about this just the other day as well he said we only live like day by day here I mean it's all very short term and you know so Lanús had a poor start which is fair enough um, but they've completely turned it around they've done a great job and now they're completely in the title race so I mean, hats off to them and, um, and it'd be nice just to have a little bit more uh, sense of proportion I think mm-hmm. when people you know start you know three or four weeks into the seasons sort of saying oh this guy clearly can't coach which is, which is what happened with Barros and also as you kind of hinted when they do get a win and suddenly they're three points off the lead the reaction is not now it's good to put together a title still here it's this guy could be the next Barca manager again. Yeah. Like, you know, even even before that, they're not even saying, "Oh, he's in line for his first trophy of his managerial career." They're saying, "Oh, he's putting himself up really well to be Barca manager now in in January." And you kind of think, "Well, um, you know, obviously he wants to manage Barca one day. I don't think anybody is, is going to deny that. But I'm sure he'd like to win the trophy as well. So yeah. let's, yeah. let's let's give him a chance to maybe do both, but but to, to get some silverware as well. Um, and Lanús got that win uh, with two fairly late goals um, at home to Tigre. For uh, in fact, there were three fairly late goals, weren't they? Um, oh, goal of the season. Oh yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible by Actually, Javi Garcia. I can't believe it. The um, uh, the what's it called on Taysen Paso Paso the Rustigo. Uh-huh. They didn't put him number one. <laughs> Someone else got number, got the top spot. This is a, a, a top ten of you know. It would be like not top ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the bottom ten. Yeah. And um, but Javi Garcia just I mean he went to punch the ball clear. I don't know what he was thinking. He was just across from. Pretty much from the byline by yeah. Rodrigo, the Uruguayan left winger, and and Garcia just punched it, but completely skewed it and it went straight into yeah. I have to. I want. I would like to point out um, Javi Garcia. No relation with, to me at all. Yes, <laughs> quite so. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, and even more so after that. Yeah. And that uh, was uh, for a four-one um, win for Tigre. It wasn't. I mean, it didn't yeah, but that was the second goal. That was the first of se- or I second goal. Second goal for Lanús. Olé's ordering of these goals is all over the place. They've got Perez Garcia nine minutes, Matias Fritzler 35 minutes into the second half, Romero 37 minutes into the second half, Guido Pizarro 18 minutes into the first half, 38 minutes into the first half for Garcia's own goal. That's the order that they've got them written in on their match report. But it was the it was the go ahead goal for Lanús, so it was a costly mistake. And something of the good of the good things that happened lately that I would like to point out is the incredible form of Chucky Ferreira, Chucky Ferreira, striker for Vélez. And I first seen him 
playing for the under 20 in, uh, for Argentina he was one of the bright uh, stars of a rather lackluster team uh, that didn't impress me but he was good and I and I remember thinking okay this this guy he has the qualities to to join a top team and he yeah. left Banfield where he was playing quite well as well yeah. but you know he was a struggling well the team was struggling and he was the perhaps suffering a lot because of the bad form of, of the team that's um, so, Jonathan Wilson had some good words from him as well a week or yeah. two ago um, on, on Handapod uh, having seen him obviously last year during the, the World Youth Cup mm-hmm. uh, but yeah Chucky's now got um, he scored yesterday uh, Monday he scored the winning goal for Vélez uh, Tuesday wasn't it yesterday's Tuesday as we record Tuesday um, yeah. he's so he's now scored he's six it. goals in his last um, in his last three matches a hat trick and then two goals and then one goal uh, the other day no, exactly. It's a yeah. Diminishing returns, but um, it's doing badly. Still, yeah, not yeah. not bad in terms of goals per game um, recently. Well, it's the best record along with Skokko to the best, yeah, 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 to the the top of the um, the top scorers charts. One ahead of oh, Skokko's one ahead of him. In fact, yeah. didn't realize that. So he, he, was top. there is little doubt in my mind. He's got a future in Europe, and you know, I don't know for how long he will stay here. But you know, it all it also goes to show that. Uh, how how important Vélez have um, became uh, become because you know in, in a decade ago or or perhaps a bit more than that you know a player doing so well for Banfield would have wouldn't have gone to anywhere else than or anywhere but River or Boca mm-hmm. and perhaps Independiente San Lorenzo or Racing but you know he prioritizes probably going to a place like Vélez because he knows it's, it's a more quiet and pacific place to to play you know he's, he's not going to have uh, so many pressures and he's going to be able to to show what he can do and it's not it's not the same you could say about someone like Lamela which is in my opinion is a lot better and he's got a lot more potential but here, he when he was playing for River, he really struggled because you know River was a mess, and even in that situation, he was showing glimpses of what he can do. But you know he he's he's starting to show his true potential now for Roma. He scored eight goals in the last seven matches or yeah. something like that. He scored eight in total, seven in the last six matches. So that goes to show that the context where you play. Is, is perhaps more important than your true talent. I think that's a really interesting point, Evan, because as well, both of them played in teams that went down. Yeah. And and both still show glimpses of what they're capable of, but as you said, it's obviously not surrounded by, by players to, to bring out the best in them. And the Ferreira situation is interesting because he rejected a move to Europe, and also, I mean, River and Independiente were interested, mm-hmm. and he chose Vélez. And I think you're right, I mean, there's... There's not as much pressure. I mean, Vélez can win 4-0 and they still won't get the front page on, on, in Olé because River or Boca will and, take it. So and alternatively, they, and alternatively they, they can lose 4-0 and they won't have fans uh, calling for their heads right. to roll. You know? I mean, Vélez is a... The 14 is pretty tasty. Just the platea. Just the yeah, platea. They're, just they're very demanding and, and yeah. they're, they're pretty uh, abusive. Yeah, but they don't get violent or, you know, they don't, they don't go knocking on the... On the dressing room doors, you know, it's it's a different atmosphere. It's never going to have as much pressure as playing for the big five. 
Uh, one of the things that, that characterised the weekend fixtures as well, last week on Hand of Pod, we were getting really excited about Super Friday, um, oh. with Belgrano and Newell's and Veles all playing on the Friday evening. Um, two of those matches ended goalless. Nil-nil uh, between Belgrano and Argentinos, and nil-nil between Newell's and Quilmes, um, before Veles then uh, took the league lead with a 2-1 win over Godoy Cruz, with those both goals coming from, from Chucky, as we've just said. Um, the other results from that weekend, any particularly notable ones apart from the Lanús one, which we've mentioned? I think San Lorenzo deserve a mention. Uh, two goals for Denis Stracolosi and a 4 0 win over All Boys, which temporarily lifted some of the um, pressure off them in the relegation battle. It's back on them now because they uh, drew last night and they 2 2 away to Union on Tuesday. Um, and in fact, I think they're now in the relegation zone because. They are. Uh, they're still are. Probably the start of the Strac corner, right? I think we do. Uh, he's, yeah. uh, I mean, he got, he got right. two, two the weekend, <coughs> and he's in, he's in quite a lot of trouble. He scored one against Union. He scored one against Union, and he's in trouble for it because mm. uh, the Strack is a massive Cologne supporter. He's got a tattoo, and he's got a tattoo on his calf. And, and this this weekend, of course, is the Santa Fe Clasico. Uh, uh, the, the tattoo we have to say is the, is the Cologne the Santa Fe badge. You know, is a, exactly. a so shield a Cologne badge on his on his calf. So he scores a. He, there was San Lorenzo awarded a penalty against Cologne's city rivals uh, Union. He stood up. He went up to take it, scored it, uh, ran quite for quite a long time in front of the Union. Uh, sex- sectors of this stadium uh, screaming at them and then uh, just dropped down his, his socks so, uh, and so he's surrounded by quite a few of the Union players he was booked for it but a lot of people were saying he really should have been sent off because yeah. I mean it's inciting violence and, and yeah. it is it is inciting violence it's, it's, um, it's, a tr- it's a delicate situation for Union They're, I don't think there is a way out for them uh, in this relegation fight I think they're going down it's 15 15 games without a win this season no it's terrible if you look at it they didn't win the last four it's 19 in total yeah and they're not showing and they're not showing improvement you know it's it's not like those kind of those teams that are hitting the woodwork or you know playing really well or being unlucky or being killed by the referees none of those things are happening with Union it's just Bad run of form, and you know, they're, they're not showing that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So to do that, playing for a relegation rival like San Lorenzo, and instead of going in front of your travelling fans because they made a trip to Santa Fe and there was a corner of the of the stadium full of San Lorenzo fans, he deliberately chose to yeah, it's, it's, it's to little, provoke the it's fans. A little, it's a little bit naughty, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, but again, like you said, though, it's, I mean, for him, it's obviously... It was a case of being a thermo, really. <laughs> if I can <laughs> bring that, uh, that word again to, to handle pot. We can rely on you to, yeah. to bring it back. So. <laughs> it's been a while, it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. Uh, in, in Union's previous match at the weekend, they lost 2-0 away to River Plate. Um, mm. I think everybody predicted that really River are nothing special but Unyama as we've just established dreadful um, did either of you catch that again? Uh, I didn't actually but I did see obviously the goals uh, nice lovely finish for the first one from the Uruguayo mm. uh, Rodrigo Mora ah the one he tried to well no, no that was ah, the first, it's the first one ah, okay. it's, a, it's a low cross from Sanchez from the right it, it's a very low but somehow he manages to, to 
bicycle kicker yeah. into, into the corner it's lovely but the second one's hilarious because the first time I saw it I thought oh, that's a brilliant piece of skill um, to, to go it around like the heat real time as well but, uh, well exactly but he, he, he uh, seemed to be like at, at first he seemed to be a play like uh, one of the Romario typical traditional <laughs> dummies but then you notice that he actually tried to I don't know if he tried to hit it or if he was just running and, and touched the ball with the um, Pie de apoyo, how do you call it? The pie de apoyo, the, 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 the you know, the, the leg that he's support himself on. Yeah, exactly. Long winded in English. Yeah, no, yeah, and we it's, have yeah, it's supporting it's, foot. Supporting, the supporting foot. Yeah, you know, when you when you stamp your foot on, on, on just next to the ball, but accidentally you touch it, that's what happened. And and the keeper bought it, there was no other way. And, and he was quick to react. That was yeah. something you, you had to give him credit for. Cocker, you know, after the game, sort of said, you know, oh, it was it was deliberate. Although none of my teammates believe me when I say that, I can't work out. <laughs> so perhaps he's not the best person to ask about for for the brilliant goals he has scored in the past. Well, in, yeah, this, this is very true. No, we still we still haven't resolved that one. Haven't he we? seems to have just but, a habit of fluking things, perhaps. But, but, well, well, it's not a bad habit to have. No, exactly. uh, River, for, and for that very reason, River want to sign him. He's, he's really popular at River Plate already. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, scoring in Super Classicos tends to do that for strikers. But but I mean, he's, he's scored some decent goals um, only scores at River Plate he hasn't scored any goals away yet but I mean um, but he looks excellent he's a really complete striker but I think they're going to struggle to get him because Benfica mm. want to sell yeah. him and mm. make, some, make some cash somebody yeah. scores at home is really what River need as well they're, they're away form for the last couple of seasons now has been better than their home form and, and it's almost like they, they feel the pressure more when they're playing in the Monumental so not necessarily a bad thing but obviously mm. nobody's in Rivers uh, family should be getting too carried away with a 2-0 home win over Union um, t- talking about uh, teams needing uh, players to score home or away or whatever there were five nil nil draws yeah. the, uh, last round That's of matches what I was going to say because yeah, the other game was Estudiantes 3 Atletico Rafaela 1 um, and then apart from Lanús Tigre which we've mentioned and we've already mentioned two nil-nils Belgrano Argentinos Newells Quilmes we also had um, San Martín Independiente goalless draw uh, that was an absolutely dire game easily the worst of the weekend I think um, and it's not as if it was full of classic matches either no they were contenders though for, for the worst match oh, yeah uh, uh, Colón Boca 0-0 really and Racing against Arsenal um, yeah. what did you make of that one Seba? dull terrible it's um, yeah <laughs> I'm still struggling to to watch a full 90 minute match not involving Racing and I do it just for just to be true to myself but to my inner kid you know the, 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 the boy I, 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 I still keep inside you know like the saying goes but you know, yeah, it was it was difficult. This one really tests me. You know, like what am I doing watching this? But, um, you know, it's the same problem for Racing lately. Like only one goal scored in the last four matches, no wins, of course, you know, because it was a one-all draw against Tigre. And you know, the 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 last action, the last play of the game, really puzzled me because it, it confused me because it was a free kick for Arsenal and the guy took it and he hit the wall and you know when you know that moment in which the keeper is going one way and mm. his head is turning the other way and you th- and you know the ball is going into the bottom the corner, the yeah. into the corner and instead this time he hit the he hit the post and he went out and that was it that was full time and I thought 
Oh, hold on, hold on here for for a second. This is not Racing. It, I mean, <laughs> he should have gone in. If this was truly Racing, he should have gone in. I was prepared, and I was kind of furious because he didn't went in because you know it's, <laughs> this is not Racing. You know, I'm watching. I've been watching something different here. Oh, it's right. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, we we were supposed to lose it at the uh, at the last minute, and just three minutes earlier, Pelletieri had a goal disallowed. Rightly, because he was offside, but he was just, just there, just mm. a, a few inches offside, and it was a good finish. But it wasn't to be, and you know, the title challenge was, in my opinion, was never there. People uh, made fans believe that Racing well, were a contender, but I. I, I wanted to ask you because obviously we've had English down on uh, constantly, but just a bit of plurality in, in Racing opinions, I suppose, if there is such a thing. Um, what you've made of Racing's. Donnell in ECL no, so far I mean the, as, we, as we speak they're 6 they've got 23 points from 14 matches because they've not played yet this weekend uh, no. this weekend this, this midweek I should say um, 6 wins 5 draws only 3 losses doesn't seem too no, bad no no I'm, I'm happy with the with how solid he has been playing in defence but perhaps that's uh, coming to a price uh, at a price it's uh, the fact that we don't attack uh, as often as we should with players as, skill, as skillful as uh, Ricky Centurion or Luis Farina and Vieto and you know going forward has been a problem but it only recently has been a problem because right until Racing played Colón and beat them in Santa Fe it was one of the uh, top scoring teams in the, in the tournament but you know it, it's it's difficult to analyze, but I, I guess the majority of fans would agree in saying that as long as Racing are not troubled by the promedios, it's a good it's a good season, it's a good time, and it's probably good that Suelia is not under pressure from the board or from the fans. You know, he still has some credit, and people realize there are a lot of new players and a lot of youngsters, and perhaps the torneo final will see some audacity going forward and probably a couple of additions um, and getting getting rid of uh, sand for example mm. could probably help or wouldn't hurt certainly <laughs> and I heard a rumor about uh, sand going back to Lanús and Valeri going to Racing which will be something that <laughs> will make me happy and that'd be brilliant yeah that'd be great great bit of business so Racing would have poached half of Lanús midfield in the space of a year with Camaronesi yeah, already yeah, there as well Pelletieri well it's six months I suppose because yeah. Camaronesi's only been there shortly hasn't it um, and yeah in terms of the, the pressure that you talk about in the in the, um, the promedio the, hmm. the uh, relegation table we always talk about this kind of you can average 50 points a season and that's that's what you need and so far the previous two seasons Racing have had 52 and 50 points so average of 51 they're already on 23 and we've still yeah. got five ma- well they've still got five matches as we're, as we're recording of the initial to go yeah. um, so they're well on the way to, to taking that pressure off for potentially for a good while to come as well yeah, which yeah, if, yeah. if they're going to want to stick with Subandia and give them a chance could be yeah no and also uh, we, 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 we talk a lot about if Argentine clubs just allowed the manager a little yeah. bit more time and a bit less pressure and that could be the situation so Valdez working his way into yeah. it also helps that Racing won every Clásico uh, they play so far like they beat Independiente yeah. San Lorenzo and River mm. so now they only have to play Boca uh, to finish the, 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 the Clásicos for this torneo and a win there will be 
fantastic for fantastic achievement because, because it's, the record there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not a very common achievement for Racing to win every classical. It's more the other way around, <laughs> more often than not. So um so if you if you don't mind, what about talking about the national team a little bit? Because Argentina just played in Saudi Arabia. There's the Super Clásico de las Américas coming next week. Absolutely. Um, I missed the Saudi Arabia game because I've been at the uh, the IMAX here uh-huh. in, in Buenos Aires watching the new Bond film. Um, I have to say 30 pesos to see an IMAX film. <laughs> Spectacular value. Um, is it is today, because they've got a two-for-one offer on Wednesday, which is why we went today. Um, but anyway, um, they played Saudi Arabia today. I hear from you two that the result was nil-nil. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. Lionel Messi now only has nine matches left this year to, to reach the ten goals he needs to break Gerd Muller's calendar year. Well, yeah, yeah. But I'm apart not, from that... No, yeah, I, I'm more interested in, in, different, in, in a f- few other records Messi could have broken and... It, in this match and it's not going to be possible and uh, at least until next time yeah until uh, 2013 yeah exactly yeah. because you know with one, with only one goal against Saudi Arabia he would have broken broken Gabriel Batistuta's record for a calendar year goals scored for Argentina they will wow. both have 12 uh yeah, well, Gabriel Batistuta did it in 98 and Messi now so so Batistuta did it in a World Cup yeah which I suppose is the yeah yeah, what yeah. lots of people will point out. Yeah. Um, Hat-trick against Jamaica, a goal against Japan in that in that tournament, yeah. Um, so then he just needs two goals. Had he scored two goals today, he would yeah, have gotten to... to neglect to mention the, the goal against England in the same tournament as well. <laughs> oh yeah, that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if Messi scored two today, he would have uh, equal Diego Maradona's tally with the national team shirt so that, that's another impressive that's thing that's not in the calendar year that no that's across the, 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 whole their career yeah. so there's no doubt he's gonna smash Diego's number yeah. numbers and then he's only four goals short of Hernan Crespo for second all time and again Gabriel Batistuta is the holder of that record with 56 and Messi is on 31 now so it's you know mm. if you're willing to put some money on that <laughs> if you find a market for that you know, just find out how much you will pay and, and before Messi retires I'm pretty sure he's going to end up with more than 56 international goals I don't and think you'll get very generous odds to be honest I don't think you would I don't think that the odds will be very generous uh, for any not. professional bookmaker yeah. if they did have such a market yeah probably not so but yeah he, that, what did you make no, okay. did you both, no. did you both yeah. catch the match I, I was able to watch it yeah uh, I was impressed by Saudi Arabia and that, yeah, yeah. that that shows you that I wasn't impressed by Argentina that comment alone you know, the first thing I have to say about that match is how good Saudi Arabia played and that means Argentina let them uh, play and show what they can do I guess but one of the things that a lot of our listeners certainly if you have our listeners who regularly ask questions via Twitter are going to want to know is how did Fabrizio Colaccini um Get get by in defence. No, he did quite well, and he saved the clear chance by standing on the on the goal line when Romero was beaten. Not his fault. Uh, he went for a for a long ball, and and he did well to block the the striker in the first place. And then the striker um, dribbled around him, or kind of, and shot on goal. And Colocini was well placed there to to control, and he was very calm. Uh, and he was good. He was good uh, 
uh, across the 90 minutes he played and, and uh, the defense in general didn't play a, a great match Romero made a couple of saves but you know the, the feeling I get is that one they were really tired or uninterested and you know a bit of both. Both, a bit of both, maybe. Yeah, yeah, a bit of both. We saw Tino Costa playing from the start, and also Eduardo Salvio. Both were substituted by halftime, and I wasn't impressed. Impressed by none of them. And then Franco Di Santo got a, got a good run in the second half. He missed an open header. Uh, he sent it over the bar, and then. He, sh- he should have crossed for Messi and instead oh, he yeah he was like he, t- he shot that ball as if he was taking a penalty kick uh, like with a lot of strength we well, emulating Chris Waddle as well because we went very high and he was um, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a shame <laughs> I, think, I think neither he nor Tino Costa did particularly well to be honest yeah, yeah. In, a, in a game when they had a real opportunity to kind of say look I'm here and, and, and to be not to you know, muscle their way past the, any of the players that they, they were replacing today but certainly Getting themselves more firmly in Savella's plans. Yeah. So DeSanto, I mean, it's not a game to shine in, but but nonetheless, neither DeSanto nor Tino Costa played particularly well. I think actually just highlighted how important Gago and Iguain are, yeah. are for this team. Yeah. You know, we can talk about Messi, we can talk about Aguero, talk about Di Maria, that's fine. But um, but Iguain and Gago, I think two players were really important for. For, for Argentina uh, I thought Colucci was good I quite like letter as well I thought he got forward quite a bit um, more Yeah he was a bit clumsy in defence With a couple of fouls Unnecessary fouls Put in he, there Was it him with Argentina's best Clearest chance He, had a, he certainly had one clear chance That uh, that. Yeah And then there should have been a penalty Awarded to Argentina mm. In the last uh, Minute because I would have fouled really inside the the, uh, the oh area. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't he know. was. Yeah, he was. Oh, come on! He, he just no. He just fell uh, outside well, the box. Well, the referee gave a free kick. Okay, yeah, you will see. They'll probably show it. One of Seba's astonishing large television screens that he's got in his office. Not being sarcastic there at all. That's true. No, but seriously. It would have been really unfair if Argentina won it in the last kick of the game with a penalty. It would have uh, be it would have been good for Messi to 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 get this record, but it would have been unfair anyway. And I was impressed in the second half by Augusto Fernandez. I think he did well. He he was one of the more active players, and he he didn't do anything wrong. So that was another that, that was one of the brightest points of the. Of the Argentina performance, and also that, and that's, that's another position where they could do with an extra player, oh yeah. another player challenging for a place in the team, and, and who offers something probably tactically quite different to the players and to the the way that Savella lines up. But I mean, um, but as you said, it's good that that kind of the right hand side, sort of attacking midfield, but out wide. Yeah, um, I would like to see Lamela as well. Yeah. Lamela getting a chance. Here he goes. Here Long ball to Aguero. Right inside the box. Well, it's a foul. Why? But the referee gave a free kick. Why does he give a free b- free kick? No, he's He gets the ball. It is a foul. It is a foul. Reckless challenge. And he might have gotten a bit of the ball, but um, if I would have got a bit of the ball, but I mean, I'll, I'll, agree, I'll agree with you that if he gives the free kick, of, of course, yeah, that's, that's my point. That's, oh, yeah, that's my point. That's my main point. If it's, it's a foul, foul or not, if, not foul, if the referee gives a foul, 
he should have been a penalty because he was <laughs> really inside the area. Maybe one of the photos of Kunagüero. Ah, probably. <laughs> that's, that's probably it. Um, and then we have the next, ne- next week, week Wednesday. We've. I mean, if it happens, because. Yeah, I will. Electricity in Buenos Aires has been a bit dodgy <laughs> the last couple of weeks, right? especially in that area. I can speak from experience. Um, but at La Bombonera. But um, the mayor of Buenos Aires is a Boca fan, and you know, of course, yeah. and a friend of the president. He won't, he won't let let it happen. If my power mysteriously goes out for the duration of the game. I know who to blame. <laughs> so yeah, so La, La Bombonera. Americas, the first leg finished. God, how long ago was it? It was 2 1, wasn't it? It was 2 uh, 1 to Brazil. Penalty. Yeah. Long ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. like 18 months ago. Um, <laughs> are we looking forward to the second leg? Are we going to pay am, any attention yeah. to it? No, I am. I am. I am because, you know, it's Argentina Brazil. It's always. It's a cliche, but it's, it's true. And, you know, I, I, I want to see some of, the, some of the players that are going to be in action for Argentina, even though some of them. Are are missing, but we don't know yet if uh, if Sabella will call up new guys last, last minute. And I was impressed by the way Argentina managed to stay in the game till very late against Brazil and lost to an offside goal and a penalty that was a freak penalty. And and you know, all things considered, Brazil. The players they have at their disposal, uh, that they play in the local league, mm. are way better than what Argentina has to pick from. So, uh, you know, a one a one nil win will do for Argentina. So, uh, result is important in this case. And yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward for the scenery as well. The, the, the La Bombonera, Neymar being there, and you know, it's going to be interesting. You, you know, what else would you do? Like. Going out to celebrate, the, uh, celebrate. Yeah. No, I'll, um, I'm hoping to uh, to be able to catch the match. I just. Okay. Um, no, I think. Otherwise, during the day. It's so. gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm moving on. It's gonna be interesting to see the um, see the national team at the Bombonera. Yeah. A lot of people would would like the, the national team to play there. They don't for uh, for a number of different reasons, really. But um, but I think that that would be good. I'd say I'm really looking forward to seeing Neymar. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's just, it's uh, along with him and, and, and obviously along with Messi. I think there's two players who are just in just incredible form at the moment. And you know, you can talk about that Neymar needs to leave Brazil and go to Europe so that he continues developing. There's probably something there, but but he's just, I mean, what he's doing. I mean, last week he was applauded off the the pitch in Cruzeiro when he scored a hat trick for Santos. I mean, it's it's, it's incredible. Stuff that's, that he's, he's doing, his form is just sensational, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to, to seeing him yeah. in flesh, really. So, as well as obviously seeing how how Sabella lines up, because it's uh, it's a it's a very difficult one for him. I think he's criticised a lot, isn't he, for very defensive tactics, more so with the the team selected from locally based players than than abroad. But um, as said, rightly said, it's all an Argentina Brazil is always good fun. So. Yeah, he doesn't. I think the reason why he does uh, that is because he is fully aware of the difference in the golfing class that there is between this Brazil and this Argentina. And and you know, if he goes out there to exchange punches, he's gonna get hammered. Yeah, you know? and he doesn't want that because that to lose two one on a last minute penalty kick. He can take that, and there's no sin in losing to Brazil away. And I'm pretty sure he's gonna do a, pretty much the same, a kind of defensive-minded approach. 
But again, uh, there isn't a lot you can take from this uh, home and away official uh, competition that there is between Argentina and Brazil now, annual competition, other than the result. You know, it's getting the trophy home and, you know, the boost in your uh, morale. But what, what else would you do? Just uh, concentrate on how the team is playing? Why? Because it, yeah. it doesn't have a continuity in time. Yes, from, from Brazil's point of view, it's a chance to get because some of their, their regular national team players are playing in their, mm. in their league and it's a chance to get them together and them, you know, playing more regularly together. But from Argentina... There's nothing. There's well, really there's nothing. There's the, the, so there's some people are sort of saying, well, you know, why is the Salvador in there? Why is Brand New in there? When there are young players, Claudio Pizarro, Lanús, holding yeah, yeah, yeah. the who's got a good future, um, Bordiso, the younger brother, and Licha Lopez, the centre back. Um, so there is an argument there to go for the slightly less experienced players, but um, Seba's very excited because. I am not! <laughs> I am not! <laughs> just got a Belgrano goal in the 42nd minute uh, to put them 1 0 up away to Independiente. First half? Yes. Well, I said 42nd minute for that reason. Oh, of our, course. Our, our listeners aren't Argentine, so. Of course, yeah, you're right, you're right. Why do you call it the complemento? They call the second half the uh, complemento. Complementary half of football, I mean. It's no, no, it's not, it's not in that <laughs> no, sense. No. Yeah, it sounds like that, yeah, I know. It's Is that the one to each other? Ooh, that was a fucking golazo. That was a fucking golazo. As you were saying, Joe, before we were so rustily interrupted. Yes. Um, no, so yes, yeah, so the argument away, is so. there, it is an opportunity to, to, to blood younger players who are clearly going to have a good future in, in the game rather than players who are kind of in the last, um, uh, last year two years of, it, of their career but like I said I mean it's just nitpicking I mean ultimately Savella's on a hide into nothing if he loses yeah. he's going to get Kane whatever team so yeah. uh, but if he gets hammered he's going to he's going to put pressure on him you know? yeah. he, and the last thing he want to do is clever yeah. the last thing he want to do is compromising the full national side with results achieved or suffer with the domestic uh, team which Serves for nothing you know, yeah, yeah. in the long term. You know, it could it could be, as you said, uh, taking some players to play in Brazil for the first time, and he's doing that with a few players such as Juan Manuel Martinez, who plays in Brazil. Barcos is now an option. He's now an option as an as a striker for the full national side. And uh, you know, Gino Peruzzi is doing that with a few with a few players. But uh, perhaps the ideal situation would be for him to use 11 new guys and it wouldn't be so ideal if he gets hammered 5-0 and no, he, no. He, he trusts these guys because he wants things he wants stuff with these guys and you know I give the benefit of the doubt to managers who have their own players and they take him everywhere you know fair enough if they get results and, and uh, the other thing that I just wanted to cover really quickly with the national team was uh, while we were recording last week on the, the 7th of November um, the new FIFA rankings, which I never normally pay any attention to, honest, um, were released, and I've only just discovered this myself. Um, Argentina are ranked third in the world now, behind Spain and Germany. And since we've got a real-life Argentine, and indeed one who uh, runs a blog devoted to the national team, um, do you think that's an entirely fair ranking server? Does it make you... Uh, 
and, and more to the point what do you think it says about Argentina's chances for the next World Cup because this yeah. is something that we're increasingly going to be uh, starting to think about now over the next year and a half no it's a, it's a good um, um, question and a good point you raise it's a <clears throat> it's something that uh, now I'm working for gold.com and <clears throat> it's something that when when the news came up and you know Argentina third in the world ranking and the FIFA the FIFA world ranking I was talking to the guys uh, work that, that work with me called Argentina and I said why don't we do a, a, a piece on this uh, we we just publish the news and then we interpret the news how uh, how we see it and you know the FIFA ranking doesn't have the best image or reputation you know, among fans but the thing is and FIFA being FIFA uh, you have to go by their rules in this case and the FIFA ranking is instrumental for the seeding in the World Cup so if you if you have a good FIFA ranking chances are that if you also have good results in the last three World Cups I think it is mm-hmm. you get a, a chance of being a, a, a seeded team for for the World Cup, which means that you will avoid one of the big uh, football nations in in the first round. So, uh, when it comes to whether it's a fair reflection on the on the present of Argentina in particular, I, I think it is. If you, and if you think if you think about the last time Argentina played both Germany and Spain, Argentina beat them both, and you know Spain. Came to Buenos Aires as tourists, maybe they were partying and you know uninterested. Maybe about it, I think. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but still, four-one, I think it was. And you know, we were lucky; they hit the post a couple of times. But then Argentina went to Germany; they scored three in Germany, and those two are the top teams in the world right now, uh, according to the FIFA ranking. So I don't think there's really any. Again, I don't think there's any argument about that either. It's not as if I mean, we're looking at the other teams. In the sort of four or five places below Argentina, Portugal, Italy, England, Netherlands, Colombia, Russia. Yeah. Difficult to see it. So any of them, England in six places, one of the reasons that, mm-hmm. the, that the FIFA rankings have the kind of reputation they have, I think, mm-hmm. and has been for a long time. But um, but, but if you think yeah. about Argentina, won almost I think this year and since well this last uh, year and a half maybe Argentina won every World Cup qualifier except the draw away at Peru after the draw at home against Bolivia Argentina went to Colombia beat them and then they started this run and it coincides with Messi's explosion for the national team he's he's finally uh, finding a good context we were saying the same about uh, Chucky Ferreira and Lamela you know how important the context is. You can be the best in the world, like mm-hmm. Messi was, but if you have no, no a manager without an, a, a, a tactical idea or the ability to make a team play well around him, you're gonna you're gonna waste your chances. And, and now, Sabella is getting the best out of Messi, and long may continue. And I think everything is set there for. For this trend to continue. So. Do you think? Obviously, we realise, Seba, that especially being a Racing fan, that you're not going to want to jinx it. But do you think Argentina have a realistic shot at the World Cup? I think so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With Messi being Messi and being surrounded by Aguero, Iwain, and you know, I, I always say, 
this Argentina team have uh, they have two or three goals guaranteed for every match. They they, they know they they take on the pitch and and you know, you know you can you can expect goals. So as long as we can keep it tight at the back, you know we can concede one or two and then have a chance in every match we play. So uh, I don't see why not. It's going to be pressure will be on Brazil more than than it will be on Argentina and. Uh, it's it's still a work in progress. So, uh, Sabel has shown yes. a lot since he took over. And Pretty good work in progress. It is. It yeah, is. Really. So, yeah. um, I shall play some music now, and then we will come back and we will quickly answer a few of our listeners' questions. Um, so, don't go anywhere. First up, we have we've got a couple of people asking us which is the most underachieving English club, which is I can't quite work out where that question has come from, um, given that we're an Argentine football podcast. Um, QBR. If he means if he means Premier League, <laughs> if he means Premier League, it has to be QBR. If not, I don't know. It's I don't know exactly. The encyclopedia Wilson is still here. Uh, possibly. Mm. But what, how would you define an underachieving team? I and mean, it's an in Newcastle, which Newcastle. What, Newcastle. What, what is the period what, what is the period we like ever I mean, yeah. this is the start of back yeah. 50 BC or something mm. yeah. no I mean I think Newcastle in, in the UK right in, in England Newcastle yeah. is a pretty uh, pretty obvious one in terms of um, the inchala the supporters mm. you know the stadium the, the expectation but, but as you said I think we're um, we're an Argentine podcast first foremost so let's get back onto Argentina. Um, Viva Fantasma asks, why is Pastore persona non grata in the national team and should Boca Juniors go after Luis Subaldia? Let's take the first of those questions first. It's an interesting question. Yeah. I think it's pretty controversial, this, uh, this lack of action for, for Javier Pastore, who, who I'd definitely put up there in the same... League as, as Lamela. I think Lamela is better. I like Lamela better. But they're very different players. Yeah, they are. And this is the thing. They, could, they both they would both offer a lot to the to the uh, to the national team. Both very young still. And um, Pastore left at a very young age, and, uh, and obviously did really well at Palermo. So he has good experience. But I, I, I'm surprised that he's not getting called up. Uh, there's no talk of any sort of reason, personality clash, or any other reason that, that it would be simply that there's not space for him and we've, we've talked about this before right that it's difficult to find for both Lamela and Pastore I maintain I think Pastore could do a, a wonderful job for for Argentina more sort of through the middle um, whereas Lamela could work sort of wider to, to the side of sort of Lamela or um, Aguero or, or Messi but um, as far as I know I don't know if you guys know any different but I don't think there's any sort of scandal there as such it's just there's just no, no room for yeah. in, in the squad and, and, fr- seems to be, yeah. Yeah, and frankly he didn't play quite well the, every time he had a chance to play for the national team. He he didn't help his his cause his, his cause here. But you know sometimes it's, I see him as a flag for the critics, like the, the people that are opposed to what Savela is doing. They 
they use him as a as a flag of you know oh this guy is not like when Bielsa was around or uh, the managers that were not calling Riquelme and Riquelme was a far bigger character and, and higher profile uh, player but you know there's always the people that are not happy entirely happy about the process uh, they will always pick one player and say oh why is is he not calling him uh, people who will call up uh, or or want the manager to call up a particular player once he's not getting picked and then you know, I see that because when Pastore is there is uh, because he has been uh, called up it's not like Sabella never called him up uh, he didn't deliver or or, or even before no, he had opportunities on the previous coach as yeah, well but he's still yeah. young he's, he's yeah, yeah. I'm more shocked about Lisandro Lopez and, and Diego Milito never getting a fair a fair run with the national team that, that's, that's more concerning we're to we're me we're going to be doing hand pod, hand pod number 4 million and 200,057 <laughs> no, like 496 yeah, yeah, and said we'll still be upset about Lisandro yeah. Lopez uh, what do we think about <laughs> and even more Diego Milito <laughs> <laughs> what do we like, think about what, I mean is Di Santo better than Diego Milito I don't care well, if he's younger I wonder so, do you think there's something about the French league that it's not very covered here and that it's I mean is it viewed as because I mean I'd add uh, Lucho Gonzalez into that as well into yeah, that category how, of players who, who how, could have done an important yeah but how would you ex- would you explain well of course it's easier to explain like Sosa or Marcos Rojo they play in Ukraine Russia and they're there they're always there and it's because Sabela had them yeah. playing for Estudiantes but you know I, I don't think that's Sabela sees every league I mean mm. I think and you know with Tevez it's different <laughs> he's saying he's, he sees Tevez every every week but you know to me there's something in, in, in backstage there's something happening and we don't know it but my gut feeling is that it's Messi's decision or it could be like or it could be Sabela's but knowing that you know those two together they eclipse each other or they don't play as well and Tevez will not be an easy character to to keep on the bench you know that that's that's another factor that could be be playing a part that's my theory on that and you know foot, uh, footballing wise there isn't much reasons why you should leave Tevez out because he's consistently yeah, one of the best players in the Premier League and he's pretty consistently been crap for Argentina though as, as you've mm. pointed out many times mm. yourself he, he, yeah. again, his, his goal scoring rate is nowhere near uh, no. the club and I think it's, it's with, with Argentina it's nowhere near yeah. and he goes hand in hand with his commitment for the cause and, and the many times he said I'm tired of making these long trips to play for Argentina I'm going to retire soon as an international player I don't see myself playing the next World Cup I mean he clearly doesn't want it as as badly as others do so you know I don't know if he's as uh, I don't know if he's as, as upset as the f- as his fans you know it's more a matter of the fans being upset because Tevez is not there more than himself you know more than he himself so and uh, the second question from the Fantasma should Boca Juniors go after Luis Subeldia to manage them what do we think I think it's quite an interesting call I quite like Lucille there. I mean, we, we spoke about Racing. I mean, they've mm. 
you know, they're not scoring goals. I mean, they've, they've got a good squad, so maybe there's a question there. But uh, I, I quite like him. But um, but I mean, it's just not on the radar. I mean, yeah. and 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 River Boca and Dependiente, Racing to to an extent as well. Of course, I mean, it's so important for them to have, and it's the merry-go-round of names is is are always the same ones. They're always more often than not people linked with the club who've either played there or coached before and so he's you know Zubaldia is unlikely with the likes of Barbskelotto mm. and Arroba Arena you know around um, it's, it's just very unlikely that he'll muscle his way into that, into that and he doesn't have a history as a Boca player or right. which is something that really helps and will galvanize him uh, in front of the, the fans you know they, they look for that when when they search for a Boca manager, they look for some kind of identity with the club or uh, a past in, 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 as a player, you know, or characters that are strong enough or, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, scary enough. Yeah. Like as, as we put it, when Boshi took charge of Boca, and we didn't mean, you know, although none of us are Boca fans, we didn't mean it here on Underpod to be an insult to Boca, but he just seemed like too much of a nice guy to take charge of that particular club. And, and no, so it proved in the end, you know. Yeah, no history. <laughs> yeah, no history at Boca, and also a tradition of playing attractive passing football with three with defenders, nothing. Uh, that goes hand in hand with Boca's yeah it had nothing to do with Boca's history I mean the the kind of mentality that they have the fans have Uh, the next two questions are both on Lanus Tom Robinson asks what in your opinion is behind their great recent run of form and Phil Carney asks are they now a realistic contender for the Inicial oh sorry Olave has just been subject to an aggression from the Barra Brava of Independiente some fireworks exploded well, really, the, really yeah. close to him. He's Belgrano goalkeeper. This is it's still the the half time clock is still ticking. So the second half's not yet kicked off. Um, Garcia was absolutely furious yeah. with the fans. The, the, yeah, the coach on the on the pitch. So this is a the, this, this this gets stadiums closed. You get points deductions. You have to play with behind closed doors. I mean, it's just we see the same thing happens quite regularly at Newell's as well. But five minutes to go, uh, lighting flares and getting games stopped, and and Tata Martino's you know frustrated mm. with them that it, it just doesn't help the cause. And you know, I mean, independently one nil down at half time, deep in the relegation zone. You can understand the frustration, but of course, no, and there's no way to to, to, to justify launching objects that uh, aggravated. And uh, here's the replay, aggravated by the fact that this is a club in constant turmoil because between the president, who's the only one, is, oh Jesus, is the only one. Um, so, Basically, fighting against the Barra Brava, yeah. fighting against the hooligans, and, and now the hooligans are ruining the night for Independiente and probably the next I don't know the, for, the foreseeable future because they can get a suspension point deductions it's terrible terrible anyway. they have it live coverage yeah. or, well as live delayed live coverage yeah. on, on the pod um, and exactly the kind of problems that we talk about all too frequently unfortunately Presumably the second half is going to continue. Um, and we're slightly rushed for time, so I'll, I'll push through. Um, so Lanus, we, we spoke about them at the top of the show as well, but what's behind their recent run of form and are they realistic contenders for the championship? I think the answer is Baros Shiloto 
finding his feet and he was clearly you know not just that bad, not a bad manager even though they sl- started slowly was he oh he's just suspended the match the referee's called the referee's off. ordering players to leave the pitch yeah this reminds me of uh, it was so similar Racing playing Boca at home 1988 Racing second or top of the standings and Navarro Montoya suffered the same kind of uh, incident so Racing lost the points and then eventually lost the, 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 their their title it was theirs to take and then and they lost everything because of a fan no, what often, what often happens when this is the case, especially when it's the losing team's fans who cause the cancellation, is that the result stands. But do you think that's going to happen with the entire second half still to play? Yeah, I don't know. Anything can happen. Yeah. The referee was telling them to leave, and now he's staying there. I don't know what's going to happen. But because, I was saying uh, about Lanús. The policeman yeah. talking to him, mm-hmm. isn't it, at the bottom, so then. About Lanús, not just what happens on the pitch, but also we've been saying this for a long time. It's one of the best-run clubs in the country, and you know, Vélez is up there as well. News after they changed their their board and they hired a proper manager. You know, there is there isn't a, there's no coincidence that they're doing well because you know they're they have a solid structure as a club as a club as well. So. Yeah, and, yeah. and on the Barrasquilota thing, I mean, he's, he's clearly a, a guy who's, who's ready for, for management, but it's his first job. Yeah. His brother's got got more experience than Paraguay, but, but it's his first job, so I mean, I think it's to be expected that they find their feet, but as you said, they're well run, and they've got a really good squad of players. Yeah. They've got some brilliant players, a good mix of <coughs> experience and youth as well that, that not all clubs have, so I mean, it's... Things to be expected, to be honest. Yeah. And the final question that we've had, uh, also from Tom Robinson, says, I know it's a little way off, but who do you expect to feature in Argentina's starting 11 in the South American Youth Championship, which is coming up in mm. uh, February? Gen- isn't it? January or February, yeah. And it, it's in Argentina, isn't it? It's in Mendoza, I think. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's in yeah. February, because there's a small yeah. chance I might be able to get out there when I, when right. I get back from England. Um... I think Chucky is, yeah. is a given, isn't he? Is, is he still young enough, actually? Ah, uh, not so sure. No, no, he's, he's over 20. I, I think Vieto and Centurion, mm-hmm. first names off the top of my head. Any non-wrestling players? Hey, hey, I'm thinking Mooney, uh, Mooney Lucas Mooney, yeah, I think he's, he qualifies. I'm going to ask Pablo here, he's working for me, for, for Godelcom with me. And he's been... This, this is live coverage. Like, we're we're, we're getting a real specialist on this stuff. Okay, here's Pablo. Aro Gerales is chief editor of Gola. Hola, Hincha de Pumas. We are recording Handle Pod here, and the guys were just asking one of the, uh, of the listeners is asking about the, um, the Argentina under 20 the national team that will play in just a few names that will. Ha- will Probably be featuring in that uh, that team. We we mentioned Vieto, Vieto Centurion, Centurion eh, Sanchez Mino, mm. no sé si Sanchez Mino, Sanchez Mino, Muni, 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 Muni,
as ever. Um, and thank you also from, from afar to both of the dams. We couldn't have got to two years old as a podcast without their help as well. Um, Australian dam, as we've mentioned several times, is effectively dead to us, but English dam is <laughs> in a medically induced coma for the next couple of weeks. He'll, he'll be back um, before season's end. And for now, we'll, we'll be back, uh, I guess, recording, well, possibly here again or possibly elsewhere, um, but hopefully with, with Seba and Joel again next week. Um, Pablo, thank you very much. Thank you to you. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, very brief guest appearance. Um, now, if you, if you read Spanish, uh, this is a plug, uh, but you can read Pablo's work on gold.com Argentina, which, if you're logging in from abroad, it's gold.com slash yes hyphen AR that's the way you you, you manage to go around the IP mm-hmm. geo thing but yeah, yeah. Pablo is doing a great job for, for Gold.com in Argentina so uh, it's, it's a new if, adventure if, ever, if anybody ever uses Sockaway by the way since we're on this subject from within Argentina if you, it takes you to Sockaway.com.ar which then redirects to AR.Sockaway.com which is the Arabic language version of the site <laughs> it's disastrous and you have to yeah. go around yourself and change it to English or Spanish I know um, it's, not, it's not the case with, with, with us on no. the But now with, uh, with live coverage as, as we end of uh, trouble now in the independent this stands, now the game's been uh, called off, we will bid you all uh, farewell from Seba Garcia. Muchas gracias. See you later. Uh, from Joel Richards. Thank you very much. Goodbye. From very special guest Pablo. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And from myself, uh, goodbye and have a good week. Just in case, just in case any of our listeners are a bit confused, we will cover the the full midweek round as well as the weekend round on next week's episode. There was little point in doing it whilst they're still playing the matches.